I'm Josh. I'm Jacob. I'm Joel. This is Somebody Somebody Else's else's Favorite favorite Songs. You're listening to episode 13, Deep Tom Petty. Welcome back to another episode of Somebody Else's Favorite Songs. And we have with us, as you may have heard in the beginning, we have Joel again. Hello, Joel. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. We have had Joel um, a few times now. The first time, when it was the three of us, was an episode about Steve Lee Dan and what we consider to be deep cuts. And so we thought it was only appropriate that... We have Joel back again when we do another deep cut episode, this time over Tom Petty. This is a subject that seems to follow up well on the heels of our recent Wilbury episode. It does. But more more than that, for me, I've told the story several times about how it was the Wilburys that introduced me to Tom Petty. Um, and I'd like to get everybody else's kind of Tom Petty background, but I'll start. Uh, I won't retell that story, but... One thing that that I haven't really gone into on the podcast is really the level of importance that Tom Petty has in my musical life and in my general life from the time that I discovered him. In 2017, I was driving uh, on a road in Oklahoma out in the middle of nowhere for for work, and I got a call from my brother, uh, Caleb, who has been on the show, and I was in a bad service area. And all I could make out that he was saying is this can't be happening. And I I didn't, I I didn't know what he was talking about, but all I really heard as he was trying to communicate to me was the phrase, this can't be happening. And the name Tom Petty. And I pulled over to the side of the road and tried to find a signal where I could get on the internet. And of course that was the day that, that Tom Petty, they thought he had already died, but by the end of the day, he, he was gone. Uh, in 2017 on October 2nd. And it was from the standpoint of someone that I don't personally know, a death that really, that really kind of ground me to a halt for a little while because he is such an integral part of the, my, my life. I mean, the, the benchmarks of major life events, marriage, children, um, moving, all of these sorts of things all seemed to coincide with a Tom Petty release. And each one takes me to those different times and places. And that day, the soundtrack to my life went dark. And that's a cliche that some people use. But for me, it's really true. Uh, I love the Beatles. I love Steely Dan. We've talked about that. It's time to talk about Tom Petty because he truly was the the soundtrack that, that defined 25 years uh, of my life or so. So uh, I'm happy to be able to talk about it. What about you, Jacob? Well, my introduction to Tom Petty was really, as a lot of other musical influences, they have come from my wife, Sarah, and indirectly have come from you. Same thing with Tom Petty. When I was told to download a few songs by him on LimeWire, illegally, and I think it was something like American Girl or Refugee 
one of those big hits from that third album, and I was really into it. I think that really started it all. And then a few years later, getting into the solo stuff, you know, Wildflowers, Full Moon Fever, and then also Highway Companion. He just has had a, a an incredible career. Uh, a guy from the Florida Panhandle, Southern Boy, ends up in L.A., and uh, he's one of the biggest American rock and rollers ever. One of the greatest American songwriters, I think. Sure. And I was very happy to be able to see him once in concert. Me and Sarah went with Josh and his wife, Robin, and it was an incredible experience, even from way up on the top level at American Airlines Center. A lot of fun. Just to me, as far as American rock and roll goes, it you almost can't get any better. And I know Joel may have a different opinion on that. <laughs> but I love it. Tom Petty, one of my absolute favorites. It's it's the same for me, too. I grew up listening to Tom Petty and always been one of my favorites. They like to joke and, and laugh that, that I prefer the Eagles to Tom Petty. But Tom Petty's great. And like my dad said, is there's a lot of music that I relate to, not because it was released in any significant time, but because I was listening to it during a specific time. It didn't right. coincide with releases, obviously, because much of his catalog predates me, but definitely some significant songs and some significant moments in my life that coincide with, with Tom Petty songs. I can definitely say for the sake of the record that Joel has always listened to Tom Petty. I vividly remember when he was an infant pre-speaking. Yes. It's hard to imagine that Joel could never talk, but he pre-speaking. <laughs> well, you're lucky. You're lucky. I couldn't speak yet. Cause you didn't want to hear what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke, you're always waiting for your kids when they're born. You want them to talk, you want them to talk, and then once they start talking, they never stop. <laughs> it's true. But he, I can see him laying in what we call the bouncy seat. It was a little just seat that you sat on the floor uh, that looked kind of shaped like a car seat, but it wasn't like that. It was just kind of a frame and a cover, and it had a little vibrating motor on it that was supposed to soothe the the infant you know and that's uh, disgusting <laughs> soothe the infant thanks martin <laughs> but but the the bouncy seat is supposed to to soothe the child and it didn't really usually work for joel but what did work was if i i just picked up my guitar and played wildflowers and every time i played the song wildflowers he would stop crying there was something about it and so it was kind of uh, kind of cool. So literally, since he was born, Joel has responded to Tom Petty. You know, that's funny. Wildflowers is now my, my wife's favorite Tom Petty song. I haven't never tried that, but next time she's crying, maybe I'll just go in and play Wildflowers. <laughs> or, or maybe don't make your wife cry. But no, I, I didn't say it would be because of me. Hey, consider go to the source instead of just trying to make it better with a song. <laughs> but, well, he didn't do that with me. He didn't care to ask me why I was crying. Maybe because I, I was in my maybe because I was in my kennel of a bouncy seat. It was not I mean, a kennel. It was not enclosed. <laughs> he probably he probably asked you to write down your grievances on paper, but you wouldn't do it. So what That's else is he supposed to do? Define even then. But <laughs> he wouldn't I, write. Wouldn't talk. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, before before we start, I have to ask because this has been on my mind. Did you guys ask me to be on this just to see if I listened to the Woolberry episode to make sure I didn't pick anything you guys had already picked? <laughs> is, this a, is this a test? This is are a you, test. Are you tacitly admitting that you hadn't listened to that episode? No, I actually have listened to the Woolberry episode. It was very good. 
Oh, well, thank okay. you. Let thy will be done. There you go. Well, So today we're going to be talking about Tom Petty. And as usual, we want to shy away from the mainstream radio hits, the greatest hits, if you will. Uh, if you are a deep cut Tom Petty fan, you're going to know all of this stuff. Uh, most likely, we all three know most of these. Um, which, again, is something that makes this challenging when we approach a catalog like the Beatles, like Steely Dan, like Tom Petty and others that that we are are want to listen through to everything. It's very difficult sometimes to you know separate what might be a deeper unknown cut to something that maybe we've been listening to for a long time, right? That is that is hard to do because I'm here trying to decide every song is a great not every song is a great song by Tom Petty, but I mean, a lot of songs on every album are really, really good. Right. And so sometimes I get it wrong. As Joel knows, I picked Kid Charlemagne, massive number 82 hit on the charts, but apparently it's not a deep cut. It, it isn't a deep cut, but you're going to roast me for one of my picks today because <laughs> I broke my I broke my one rule. Okay. Oh, no, I never thought to, that would ever happen. I'll be anxious to see what that is. But before we select, let was there any criteria, Jacob, that you went with? No, this is the third deep cut episode we've done, you know, because we did the uh-huh. Beatles off the beaten path. So uh-huh. I kind of just flipped through the catalog and just let some songs, uh, you know, jump out at me that they're not singles. They're not big radio hits as far as I know. All right. And they're not Roll. generally in the generally in the running on greatest hits albums, things like sure. that. What about you, Joel? Yeah, that that's about how I did it too. I kind of just browse. Not a lot of uh we kind of did this last minute, so I didn't have a ton of time. I just kind of looked at the greatest hits and saw, you know, what was the biggest hits that he had and I tried to shy away from those, although I am going to pick a single. <laughs> well, I think technically maybe one of mine is a single too. Uh, mine char- just, uh, uh, mine charted. Oh. Just because, just because. Higher than Kid Charlemagne. Just because oh. a single charts does not mean that it's not a deep cut. That that that's that's true. Um, so let's uh, let's dive in and guests go first. So Joel, what is your first deep Tom Petty selection? I'll, I'll get this pain out of the way and just go ahead and get this over with my first one's one of my personal favorite Tom Petty songs. And I wanted to include it mostly because I wanted to hear some thoughts on it, but I absolutely love it. It is from 1994 wildflowers, which we kind of touched on the title track of that a little bit. And it is, it's good to be King a number 68 hit on the hot, the billboard. Massive hit. Massive. <laughs> it was higher than kid Charlemagne. So <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm going to get, going to get grief for that.
have your own way Get a feeling of peace At the end of the day When you pull dark bars And your canary sings You're out there with winners It's good to be king single selection i i offer you the single from 1995 <laughs> nice i actually have a copy of it's good to be king on vinyl you talk about the late days of single releases that were still being done on vinyl 1995 is pretty late <laughs> that is very now, late is now i haven't played seth's bingo but is is dad getting up and going to the vinyl bookshelf? Is that on the bingo chart? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, think but it, it is. It but I'm be. I'm gonna update I'm gonna update the bingo because that one needs to be on there for sure. Yes, that's, that's about the fourth time he's done that that I can remember. At least. And then it usually is accompanied by him. You can faintly hear him back there talking while I'm trying to talk. I'm like, oh, okay. Are you? Are you? Did you find it or whatever you're doing back there? I'm looking for this back here. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, It's Good to Be King um, was played on the radio. And if you're a Wildflowers fan already, you probably would know it. But if you're just a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers greatest hit city owner, you probably don't. And I find myself gravitating. I, I love some of the Heartbreakers, like you call them rock and roll band. But maybe I always put Eagles higher because I like the 90s Tom Petty a whole lot where it's rock and roll, but it's not, you know, the Heartbreakers rock and roll sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely different, and I, I think I'm going to have some comments on the really the two major – really, there's three, I think, major phases of Tom's career. And that what you're talking about there, I mean, that's definitely wheelhouse Tom Petty for me, that second phase from Wilburys on up through about Echo before he gets in final phase. This is a very different album and a very different sound. I mean, this is Rick Rubin. This is not Jeff Lynne. This is not anybody else. Jimmy Ovine or however you say his last name. But this is, it's very different, and but it's fresh. It's very, very fresh for him. And, and I love it. This is like my favorite Tom Petty era. But you still retain the the elements that make Tom Petty great, I think. The the songwriting, the the simplicity of the chord progression and the sound. But I just love the sparseness of the production on this record. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome. It's sparse, but it's not simple. You know, when he was recording Wildflowers, and, and to me, Wildflowers is his magnum opus. I mean, I think it's his greatest achievement among many. I, I just really do. Of course, it was originally intended to be a double album. Yes. And I'm going to talk more about that later. And it was re-released, and a lot of new material was was released. Recently. 
very yeah, recently. Like, yeah, I want to say the last year. So. But yeah, well, it, there's stuff on there. It, you get some new stuff. They they what they had is a big board that I don't know if it's a white erase or a chalkboard, but with tracks. And I remember him specifically talking about it. It's good to be king. Each part um, there was like a, a row of what they were going to have on, on that track, just very straightforward. I mean, and there's a lot of orchestrations on this album. I mean, this song has a great orchestration. It's, it's a cool tune. Yeah. I was, I was tied between this one and crawling back to you, which is also on wildflowers. That kind of has a, a similar vibe. I think. Don't worry. You'll hear that one later. <laughs> okay. Good. Oh, excellent. You listener may likely know, you don't know how it feels, which was the biggest hit from wildflowers. And you may have heard You Wreck Me, which was played quite a bit. Another big uh, one. Although and Wildflowers was a pretty big hit itself, was it not? Yes, but not as much as those two, and even not as much as A Higher Place, which was on the radio a lot in 94 and 95. Really? Um, it's, yes. It's interesting, because I guess, I don't know what's happened since then, but sometimes our best way to judge how music is viewed these days is like Spotify plays, Uh huh. Yeah, and Wildflowers has more than all those songs. Spotify plays, which is interesting. I wonder if there was maybe a movie or something that was big that had wildflowers on it that caused it to jump up. It's always interesting to look at the Spotify plays. I think there's two things that contribute to that outside of what you're talking about, which is a good a good rule of thumb. That's what most people are listening to. However, in this case, you've got the double the double effect of it being the title track to the album and the first song on the album. That's fair. Maybe it's because Wildflowers is maybe is it because it's maybe part of the tapestry of '90s acoustic music in general? That's that's a good point. That's an excellent that, point. I think that's definitely plausible. They're they're all valid. Those are all valid points. I know. Um, I hear Wildflowers, and I instantly yeah, want to play Extreme. <laughs> <laughs> so I use a service called Last.fm, which you attach to your Spotify account. And it basically tracks and presents the data of everything you listen to. Obviously, I'm into making lists and having data. And every album that I listen to, the song that I've listened to the most is the first song. You know, so that that hmm. that does is something that happens because you'll start and you know get distracted or. But it's it's generally it, it may not be my favorite song, but it's the first one on the album, and so it'll have more plays than than the others. I think I, combine all those things together, yeah. you know, Wildflowers I, by now is more popular. Yeah, I bet. It's on a lot of Spotify 90s playlists that people go through and listen to that Spotify makes. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that's I, good I would agree with that. All, well, all the only thing it. I the only thing I have to say about It's Good to Be King is as simple as it is, I absolutely love that piano riff. I think it's just single note walkdowns. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I think it fits the song and the, I love the lyrics and I think it's something everybody can relate to. When I saw Tom in 1995, uh, about a month before Robin and I got married, um, he he played "It's Good to Be King." But of course, the the key line to me from that song was, "Yeah, I'll be king when dogs get wings." It just so happened that he also must have thought that that was an important line because that tour was called the Dogs with Wings Tour. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it yeah. it it wraps up with. Excuse me if I have some place in my mind where I go time to time. So it's all in your head. It is. He's just so great. What a well That's a great song. song. Yeah, it's a great song, and that's why I wanted to include it. I'm going to allow it. What about you, Jacob? I don't see why this is a, there'd be a problem including this song. <laughs> Pass. You've passed with flying colors. <laughs> all it right, has Jacob, my last name your... in it, so why wouldn't I be cool with it? <laughs> it's, it's it is good, good to be king. king. Well, get a little bit, Jacob. 
Hey, but it's better to be best. <laughs> yeah. Debatable. All right. Give us your first selection. <laughs> As Yusuf Islam says, the first cut is the deepest. So uh, this is an outtake is why I say that. It's an outtake that didn't see the light of day until I think 2018 when they were getting ready to release a huge compilation, Tom Petty and American Treasure. And this is just a wonderful song from 1982. It's called Keep a Little Soul. Two, one. Yeah. And two. One, two, three. Loved it from the first moment that I heard it and was Me just too. blown away by how that didn't make the cut at some point along the way. It's a great song. I mean, 1982, that would have been somewhere around uh, Straight Into Darkness. Um, yeah, and yeah, so, that would be that would be it. And that is generally considered one of their weaker albums. I can't believe that it, it didn't find a home there. It would have improved the album. Well, it would have, but I'm not sure if it maybe it's, maybe it just didn't match the sound. Straight Into Darkness is kind of a... Oh, excuse me. I, I meant Long After Dark. That's the name of the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long, Long After, After Dark. Dark. Not Straight but Into Darkness. That's a song. It is. Long and After Dark is it. It's kind of a harder rocking album, maybe a little bit. But when you get to this song, it's so bright and and hopeful and with the organ sound and the, the piano and everything. And that's what really draws me to this song. It has every element of what makes the Heartbreakers a great band. I it, from the first downbeat, I loved this song. It elicits a feeling of of like I already said, hopefulness and happiness, which a lot of his songs do, even the rock and roll ones. You make a valid point about that not fitting with the general tone of Long After Dark. Like I said, it it's generally considered one of their weaker albums, but it's got it's got some great tunes on it. But they are all kind of bitter and negative. Change mm -hmm. of heart. You got lucky. 
things yeah. like that. It's right into um, darkness. Yeah. It's just this, this maybe just doesn't fit and then they never go back to it, but I'm sure, I'm sure glad we got it. Uh, that's a great tune. It I've is. never heard that before. You have not heard that? I've not. It's awesome. When they were doing this compilation, this was a single. I mean, it was one of the first songs they released on Spotify. Yeah. Ahead of the release of that compilation. And uh, it, it's a wonderful track. It really is. When that set came out, um, my friend Kenny the Lizard got it on vinyl. And uh, he brought it over one night. And we didn't listen to all of it because it's like eight records or something, but we kind of cherry picked through and listened to several things. Um, really cool to hear different versions, outtakes, songs like this. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Good choice. Thank you. So we're back around now to Josh, his first, what have you got oh, for us? All right. So I thought I would kind of try to go generally um, chronologically. So I, I would also, even though Jacob's release was not in public eye until modern times, it was a song from the early Heartbreakers period. And mine is too. There was something about when Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers came on the scene with Breakdown and then American Girl. Of course, Breakdown, I think, was the bigger hit initially. And, and the album had Tom Petty uh, looking very punk on the cover, leather jacket, you know, chest high photograph up. And he kind of got lumped in as they, as they first started with kind of a, not really punk, but I would say something kind of like the cars, you know, kind of mm -hmm. a punkier type well, rock. They, they kind of got uh, top cast is not the right word. They kind of got sorted into the new wave genre kind yeah. of early on early early new wave post-punk uh, mm -hmm. i don't know what you would call it didn't really know what to make of them but one of the traits of that kind of music that they definitely embodied was uh, a lot of attitude i mean mm -hmm. in those days especially petty is very aggressive with his singing when they perform live now um by the time they get to their their big release uh, their huge hit album damn the torpedoes there's there's all kinds of things that are going on that I want to talk about. But the song that I want to play from that, none of the hits, is perhaps my favorite song from that album. It's called Shadow of a Doubt, Complex Kid. And I located a, a live version that I want to play that they recorded on a short-lived TV show because I just love seeing young Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers performing a fairly deep cut. And this is it.
So there's a there's a great live version from a great live band that Shadow of a Doubt Complex Kid, and the three of us watched this and were commenting on so many things that are going on. I'll let some of the guys do that. You know, talk about some of those. But this is the original lineup playing, and in the video, Tom Petty is not exactly eschewing that new wave. Uh, <laughs> classification as he's wearing a polka dot shirt with a jacket over it. <laughs> These guys are so cool. The, they, they are, are really, really cool. And and he's as he's singing, he's you know kind of snarling a little bit at the microphone, and and I like how in the live versions he goes, "She's a complex kid," you know. <laughs> it's just great. So this this song was, as I said, on "Damn the Torpedoes." And that was the album that made him. Of course, the hits are <sighs> Refugee and Here Comes My Girl and uh, Don't Do Me Like That. And it was about this time that their record label got bought out by MCA and began to try to exact control over the artists on the smaller label. And Petty refused to be controlled and filed for bankruptcy to get out of the contract with MCA because that's not who he signed with. Hey, that's punk rock for you right there. It, it is. And so sure is. What, he's, what he's got going on is they have a legal block that they can't record any music. And this was when they started working with Jimmy Iovine. He had just recently had a huge smash hit with Patti Smith's Because the Night, which we talked about in our covers episode. But he comes on board and they are secretly recording this. And every day yeah. as they get done, They're having to hide the tapes, they take the tapes and they put them in their manager's car trunk because if the record company knew they would have seized them and mm -hmm. we might never have gotten this music. Wow. So it is very punk rock and, and it does have a lot of attitude, but I, I just love some of these, these early Tom, Tom Petty lyrics. Uh, sometimes at night I'll wait around till she gets off. She don't like working. She says she hates her boss. <laughs> and then particularly uh, toward the end. Uh, and when she's dreaming, sometimes she sings in French, but French. in the morning she don't remember it. <laughs> I love this one. It's one of my favorite Tom Petty songs. And unless, Unless you've listened to all of Damn the Torpedoes, maybe you didn't know it. And I I hope you do I hope you liked it. You know what did y'all notice let, about that? Let me ask if you guys agree with with this statement. There's something unique. It's I like to refer to it as the Tom Petty swagger about the way he enunciates words and the way he sings songs. Oh yeah. And this song absolutely has Tom Petty swagger. Yeah. It does. It's kind of I'm not comparing it directly to Bob Dylan, but it's how you, Bob Dylan has his thing where he 
the inflection and how he sings certain things. Tom Petty has this his own thing right alongside him. Yeah. So we like to play a lot of Tom Petty songs in a in both our various band environments and just play acoustic guitars. And the one thing I will say unequivocally is it is impossible to sing Tom Petty songs <laughs> unless you sing them like him. It's yeah. true. Same with Dylan. I mean, the very first, the very first line, he, you know, there goes my baby. And then he goes, there goes my only one. I mean, yeah, it's Tom Petty swagger. Yeah. It is. You're a hundred percent right. It's just better. And if you try to sing it straight, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. What did y'all notice from watching that video that you liked? I noticed I've, the guitars. I've, <laughs> I've seen this video before, and and yeah, the first thing that made me remember I'd seen it is the green shirt, but also that red Telecaster he's playing. That weird, weird telly. With Telecaster, uh, pickup, standard in the bridge, and also a humbucker in the neck. That's not too unusual. But the inclusion of another full-size humbucker in the in the middle position is is highly unusual. Yes, and, and um, you get the Bigsby bridge on it, the little vibrato. I haven't seen this guitar anywhere else as far as all the videos I've seen of Tom Petty and, and pictures. And, you know, when you see articles about Tom Petty's guitars, this one isn't ever mentioned. So who knows what happened to it or where it came from or whatever, but it's certainly interesting. You also get the rare singing drummer. You know, Stan Lynch was the main backing vocalist when yep. he was in the band. I mean, Ben Mott would sing too, but Mike never sang. Ron Blair never sang. It was usually Stan Lynch, and he's back there. And of course, he's got bongos mixed in with his drums to playing get both drum the drums and playing them with drumsticks, <laughs> which awesome. is cool. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. He's drumming and singing, and that's always impressive. Maybe the only thing harder than than bass playing and singing is is drumming and singing. And it's up through his caveat, time, drumming yeah. well and singing. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Don, because Don Hanley can play drums and <laughs> sing, but he really can't play the drums very well, if you ask me. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. <laughs> so, Stan Lynch, better drummer, Don Henley, better singer. <laughs> Stan Lynch, excuse me, only sang backup, so uh, that may be something different. Well, but... yes, he, he did. And now, however, in the, the first concert Tom Petty I went to, which I've talked about extensively on the show, my first rock and roll concert, they did a cover of Count Five Psychotic Reaction. Oh, that's and right. Stan Lynch sang it, and it's, I, it was it was great. I think there is actually that got released on some compilation because I've heard it, it. It did. I think it was probably on the live anthology, and of course, <laughs> I've got the VHS tape from that tour, which has never been released on DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray, and we've watched that because that's the only way you can watch it. But Stan was an important part of the early sound, and he shines on this song. You know, one thing you'll always hear in early Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is Stan has interesting fills. They're never exactly the same, and they're always just a little behind the beat. I kind of joked that he played the drums like Willie Nelson sang, just a little behind the beat, and it gives it a feel that is completely different once he's not in the band. Yeah, not not a worse uh they don't have a worse drum sound after he no. leaves. It's just different. No. It's just different. So that's my first selection, Shadow of a Doubt, Complex Kid. That is old school Tom Petty at his very best, in my opinion. It is indeed. Love that. All right, Joel. So I'm going to stick with the same kind of vibe of my first selection, and I'm going to go to Highway Companion, and we're going to listen to Jack. Oh, a favorite of yours. A personal favorite of mine. You say what you want to, Jack. I'm going to get my baby back. Trouble came right away. 
Now you say she gonna stay Cough it up, hit the street Left without a word to me Whoa, you don't know How that girl could touch my soul You say what you want to, Jack I will get my baby back There's only me to blame It's gonna rain, it's gonna shine Gotta stay between the lines Rolling down a lonely road You say I should let it go Wish you would come on down If you need I'll come around that song yeah that that's a great selection and talk about a little ditty it's only what two and a half minutes long yep two and a half minutes long it's very interesting because this album it was produced collaboratively i think that both mike campbell and tom petty get production credit but also jeff lynn and this is a very different album sound for jeff lynn but still it's awesome yeah after spending some time with jeff lynn he goes with rick rubin whose production credits would not seem to fit. And then he uses uh, George Draculius, I believe is his name. But then he brings Jeff back and you get a completely different sound. It's a totally great album. It Perhaps is. the most underrated in his in his catalog. People don't really know Highway Companion. No. And you know, even Sarah, as somebody who grew up listening to Tom Petty, She's actually just discovering recently, she came home one day and said, wow, Jacob, this, this album, Highway Companion, is so cool. Yeah, so, that's I mean, a good word for it. to show you. What do you uh, like about that song, Joel? Well, I was saying I, I love the guitar solo. It's not a particularly you know, advanced solo or anything like that, but I love it. And I love the percussion sounds on it. And just the vibe of it is just, it's cool. The whole album, like you said, is cool. Did we... Or I guess, did you have this album on CD that we would listen to in the car? I believe, yes, I did have it on CD. I certainly got it uh, right when it came out. Which was 06. Because I have I have pretty vivid memories of like staring at the album artwork. That, and just that, being, just like loving the artwork for this album. That may be. My story about you and this album, though, was when you got your flip video camera. So Joel got a flip video camera. (laughs) This is bound to be embarrassing. And he recorded all kinds of stuff. When we went to basketball games, he would record those and, you know, cut them together and everything. But one day he, as, as, you know, we did it with, with video cameras, too. Uh, when we were young, but he's got a little bit easier time with his flip video digital camera. He records uh, himself making all kinds of basketball shots in the driveway and he just cuts them together, you know, just jump shots and layups, everything, a little video of him. And then he sets it to music and he picks flirting with time from this album. (laughs) And he shows me this video which is funny. I mean, why would you know? Why would you pick nine-year-old Joel pick that time that song? But there was something about it, and I'm sitting there, old man syndrome. Here's my 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 kid, and he's cutting a basketball video together. Which, as I said, my brothers and I did when we were kids, 
and he's put this song and and in the background tom petty's going you're flirting with time baby time is catching up to you and i'm like oh my gosh this is deep <laughs> it was kind of a big moment you know wow. but uh, I, I remember doing those little those little videos of shooting baskets in the on the driveway i'd prop the uh we had a brick that had fallen out of our mailbox. I would prop the flip video up on a brick on top of the mailbox. <laughs> Whatever works, use what's around you. He was quite the amateur <laughs> filmmaker. There you but, go. Uh, in this case, Tom Petty, a literal soundtrack. So, hey, I like that, Salacia. Jack's a cool song, cool arrangement. This, this album is full of songs that are just so jammable. Pick up an acoustic guitar. Yeah. You play about four or five cowboy chords. Any song on that album you can play easily. It just They're just so fun. Great, Great choice. Selection. Great choice. Love it. All right, Jacob, what you got? Well, I'm going, speaking of Jeff Lynn, I'm going to go back to Into the Great Wide Open and we're going to play the closer of that album. This is Built to Last. All right. Nice one. Somewhere out my doorway, somewhere down my block, I can hear her heartbeat in rhythm with my clock. I want her more than diamonds I want her more than gold I want her more than anything Anyone could hold We were built to last On until forever The world is changing Changing like the wind I was feeling burned out I got tired of it We were built to last On until forever The world is changing fast really like it's a deep cut it's now the closer those can either be a hit or miss as far as how how well known are they but i really like how much space there is in the arrangement there's so much reverb everywhere uh, such a dr- big the, percussion sound the oh. drum sound that's the jeff lynn the that's jeff lynn <laughs> that's jeff lynn it's awesome the simplicity of that 
that chord progression, just C to A minor, walk back up and walk back down. And then the chorus is just F and C. So I think yeah, that's a simple four or five chord song. Great solo by Mike Campbell. Wah pedal. Definitely. And that's another, that's another song that I can remember spending time with y'all over the, over these 10 or so years now. That was a song that would come up on acoustic a lot. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And it was, uh, you know, you're, you talk about album closers, uh, if you look through at Tom Petty's album closers, they are generally fairly significant songs. I I have I have one when it when it we get there, but this song in particular for me is is one of the important ones. As I don't know if I've mentioned on here, but Into the Great Wide Open was the album I was listening to all the time when Robin and I started dating. I had this clock in my room that I had gotten from my papa, and it was you've you've seen those cat clocks the black and white ones with the googly eyes and the tails that swing back and forth have you seen those before yeah it was kind of like that but it it didn't look like that at all it was the same idea but it was a tall orange and black striped cat and his eyes opened and closed but they weren't big oversized and his tail swung back and forth and it made this click clop click clop click sound (laughs) all the time but it was so cool as he sat up there with his eyes moving and it made this this sound and joel your mom used to say that um when we were talking on the phone she could hear that clock in the background and so first line of the song is uh somewhere at my doorway somewhere at my block i can hear her heartbeat in rhythm with my clock and we we kind of latched onto that and that was a that had a lot of meaning for us so this was an important song um on a pretty important album that i think joel is very fond of Yes, I was mentioning that this is far and away. I know that's controversial because there's some great Tom Petty albums. Full Moon Fever obviously comes to mind. This is far and away my favorite Tom Petty album. So the only reason it's controversial is that it people said it was just Full Moon Fever Part Two, to which I say, so what? The song, yeah, right, yeah, it it is very similar. I I love Full Moon Fever. I don't know, maybe. It's because we listened to it so much more growing up because you like it so much. I don't know. To me, this is this is the Tom Petty album for me. A lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with the production style of, of Jeff Lynne, but I love this album. Of course, Full Moon Fever was produced by Jeff Lynne as well. well generally yeah. speaking, people will select Torpedoes as the best Heartbreakers album, and I, I don't have any problem with that and can't really argue with it, but you're talking about your favorite, and I think time has been very, very nice to Into the Great Wide Open. It's fantastic. It's now 30 years old, and I can't believe that. Ooh, that hurts. Well, that that hurts me, and I wasn't even alive. <laughs> I mean, I can I don't begrudge you for that choice. I think it's a great album. For me, I just don't know if I could even begin to choose what my favorite is. There's You, you can't really look at the whole timeline of Tom Petty from... The rock and roll to in the seventies, eighties, the nineties. If you look at the whole thing, there's no, there's not a, one single sound. Josh mentioned earlier breaking Tom Petty down into three or four different eras, and I think that is probably what I would do. But this is one of the albums that stands out for me, absolutely. It's so cool that Tom Petty can do everything from real, you know, seventies rock and roll to gorgeous love songs like this one is. He can just he can do it all. And the folk and the you know the, the everything in between. Yeah. Oh yeah. The jam band stuff. He was the greatest man. All right. So my next song, we're going to go to the mid eighties. And this is actually a demo recording. And I'll talk about why we got to hear it later. But first, let's take a listen 
to Ways to Be Wicked. Ways to Be Wicked? I don't know this song. I've never heard that. Yes, it does. And I, I think I'm understanding correctly that these guys, neither one of them have ever heard Ways to Be Wicked. That's correct. So in the late 90s, boxed sets, CD boxed sets were all the rage. People would do career-spanning sets and get in the charts with career retrospective boxed sets. Some of them would be better than others. Some of them would be unreleased material. Some of it would be album collections. But everyone was putting out career-spanning retrospectives on CD 
and you'd get a, a literal big box that had anywhere from four to eight CDs in it and booklets and information and pictures. It was, it was almost like they were trying to revive the inclusions that you got in LPs in the CD format. That's what we were missing with CDs, right? But the playback box set by Tom Petty was the pinnacle of the form. You had a six CD set that had, um, I believe, three CDs of career-spanning hits. And so it got to go a little deeper than the greatest hits did. But one of the records, or CDs rather, was called Nobody's Children. And it was songs that they had recorded for various reasons that had never been released. And this was one of them. Ways to be Wicked, which is a song that, again, it's just a demo, but it sounds, uh, one reviewer said it had garagey stomp, and, and that's, that's accurately done. But they gave it to a band called Lone Justice. You could just take a look on your own time at the Lone Justice version, which has a female lead singer. It's fine, but it doesn't have the grit of, of Tom Petty's version. When he gets to the end of the verses and he says, she ain't afraid to let me have it. You ain't afraid to stick it in. I mean, she's just digging that knife into his back. And it's like, he's satisfied. He knows how horrible she is. But since he knows, he's just going to he's just gonna sing about it and get right back to her. It's, it's evil woman with punk overtones, really. And I think it's awesome. And some very, to my ears, very country-sounding uh, guitar licks from Mike. Telecaster-inspired, maybe not on a Telecaster, but very country to my ears. I was thinking about when I was listening to that song, how we were talking about Tom Petty swagger and we talked a lot about, you know, the way he sings and the way, but I'll tell you something that's critical to Tom Petty swagger. And that is Mike Campbell. That guitar sound is absolutely critical. It's always perfect. It always always does. He service services the song perfectly. He sound, he even sounds like Tom Petty. He spent so much time with him. Listen to some of, of his band's, Stuff, what are they, the dirty knobs yeah. listen to some of their stuff and he sings on it and he sounds like Tom <laughs> it wow. really it's a good album pretty good it sounds like it was songs that could have been recorded uh, with the Heartbreakers with Tom singing uh, very Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers sound Mike Campbell I think is one of the greats but I think he's underappreciated because he puts the song above himself and uh, when you look at for what it's worth, the Rolling Stones, you know, 100 Greatest Guitarists. I think that Mike Campbell is, I think he's in the 70s the last time they did that list. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why he serves they the wrong, song. They're wrong for that. Yeah, they are. Mike Campbell, in a lot of ways, would be to guitar playing what Ringo was to drumming. People say, still to this day, you need to play like Ringo. Well, if you want the perfect guitar sound for your for your song, then guitarist, you need to play like Mike Campbell. Agreed. All right. Uh, song number three, Joel. I'm going to go, I was talking about Into the Great Wide Open, so I'm going to go off of that album, and we're going to play Too Good to Be True.
This song is so good. It has the Tom Petty thing that I've noticed in a lot of songs, which is like random harmonies on like one word. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it, there's a lot going on in that one. Yeah, that's a a great song from a great album, and I, I don't think I don't think hardly anybody probably knows that one. I love that's a pretty that deep song. Gut. Love I almost it. picked it myself. That that's a great one. I was kind of torn between this one and the song that follows it, which is Out in the Cold, because I love that song also. <laughs> I have those two both on my honorable mission. <laughs> that was an honorable mission for me, too. Both of those are worthy of a listen. I won't get over into the sappy retelling of, of everything that has to do with this album, but suffice it to say that my wife and I, who started dating while listening to this album, this song in particular, uh, we were very, very fond of. You know, our new dating thing was just too good to be true, blah, blah, you know, cheesy, cheesy. But it was true. It was real. It was a, a cool thing. But I think the thing I remember most is the concert uh, that I went to again in uh, November of 91 for this album. You know, in the middle of Too Good to Be True, it's doing that dum, 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 dum. And then it just dum, and it just stops. And then you get the drumsticks, click, click, and it starts up again. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So when they get to that point in in the show, and again, at that point, I only knew the songs from Full Moon Fever and Into the Great Wide Open, which was most of what they played. But it gets to that part where they stop, and the lights go down, and the spotlight comes up on Tom Petty, and he kind of turns around and does that Tom Petty smile to 20,000 people. 
and it's just <laughs> silent. And he just Tom, puts his petty swagger. Yes. And he just puts his arms out and he's like wiggling his fingers and it's silent. And you're waiting, and then all of a sudden it clicks in and they start up, you know, start doing it again. I can't believe I saw them play this song live. So cool. Very nice. Love yeah, that I selection. Love, love that song. Thank you. Love for, the album. Thank you for picking it. You bet. Well, moving on then to my third selection. This is um, a song about a guy who likes to wear a dog collar around. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just no. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no. Hey, Spike, what do you like? Hey, you're scaring my wife. That, that's that's one of two skippers <laughs> in the whole catalog for me. I'll, I'll listen. I'll listen to it. It's just a, it's a weird song. Sarah won't listen to it. She hates it. Like, turn that off. So what do you really have? So, another song that you all may laugh at me for. I think it's an interesting song from 1985. Thank you. C minor piano riff from their album, Southern Accents. Make it better. Forget about me. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. It's so different from their other stuff on this album, but I like it. Let's hear it. Is this 80s funk? What are we playing here? Make it good again, baby. Forget about me. Forget about me. That is a very strange 
um, inclusion on an album called Southern Accents, which pays homage to, you know, who they are, what they're all about is Southern boys from Florida. It's a real missed opportunity, though. It didn't turn out to be I mean, what yeah, it they, could have been. They, it started out being more like a concept album. But then I, I think, I don't know if I'm telling the exact correct story, but Dave Stewart got involved somewhere along the line from the Eurythmics. He and Tom Petty wrote this song, Make It Better, Forget About Me. And um, also, Don't Come Around Here No More is a Dave Stewart thing. Also, the other very funky uh, song with the horn section and all that is It Ain't Nothing To Me, which is a funny song. It, it is. I, I, I don't still, think it's that I, good a song, but it's, no, it's funny. But I like the sound of it. Yeah. I, as far as the music is concerned, I really like it. Uh, but this was like a, a tribute to like the Memphis soul and, you know, with the horns and everything and the background singers. I, I just think it's a fun song and it bound to be overlooked. And here we have Jimmy, Jimmy I, we could say uh-huh. he, he back from producing the third album. Here he is again. And, and Dave Stewart gets a produ- production credit as well. This is about the time things start to fall apart with him. You know, maybe some of this stuff is the reason why. It's also about the time where Tom Petty punched a wall with his right yeah. hand and and pulver or his left hand maybe and pulverized it. Yep. And was told he would never play guitar again. They were not sure he could ever play guitar again. And that that was a that had to have been a rough period. The Southern Accents album, I mentioned it, it was kind of a missed opportunity because like like Jacob said, it was supposed to be more of a concept album. There's a song that is was later included in some uh, compilations and also was redone when he revived Mud Crutch called Trailer. And, mm-hmm. and that would have fit here and should have been on this. But in a lot of ways, these horn-based songs sound very out of place. It's just strange with the rest of his catalog, kind of like we were talking about the Doors and the the Soft Parade has these horns, and that's the only album that does. Yeah, well, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only album you get horns on. But it and also can contains recall, yes. the great classics, Rebels and Southern Accents, which are both they're probably deep cuts to most people, but they're two of the best Tom Petty songs. I I almost actually included Rebels, but I thought. That's not the deepest cut I could get. You know, yeah. it, it, this one's uh, a better choice for this. When I think about Southern Accents, of course, the title track and Rebels and even Dogs on the Run is is kind of thematically similar, but that's really it. This album, though, is very strong. I mean, It Ain't Nothing to Me is fine. It's not very good to okay is maybe what I could say. <laughs> also, Mary's New Car is totally a track that I will skip every time. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing endorsements here for Southern accents. That's like the most throwaway song I think I could imagine coming from them. Even more than Spike, honestly. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. Whoa. Yeah, even more than Spike. (laughs) Hey, Spike, what do you like? What do you like? (laughs) Most people don't know what you're talking about. And believe me, they're glad they don't. (laughs) Well, just because we've talked about it so much, we'll have to include it on the playlist. Oh, yes. So everybody can go, (laughs) no, no, skip. All right. So number three for me is another album closer. And several songs have been mentioned and selected from Wildflowers. And we've we've already talked uh, some about that. But I want to call your attention to the closing track. This is Wake Up Time. You follow your feelings 
If I recall, the first time I heard it, I kind of, um, it made me a bit emotional, I have to admit. There's no question. So I, I read uh, an article about this song in particular, believe it or not, <laughs> found an article about it. But the writer was comparing the Beatles' White Album to Tom Petty's Wildflowers Project and talking about how they both had these ambitious projects in mind. Of course, Wildflowers ends up being a, a single album instead of a double album. But let's be real. This was the time when CDs were having, you know, 15 songs on them and, you know, lasting 70 minutes, you know, more, more content than you could put on an LP. So in a sense, it is a double album. 
because it's got 15 songs on it and some of them are, you know, five minutes long, but they compared it stylistically and how, how, how he goes from, you know, kind of all over the place to different sounds and the ambition of the project. But I particularly liked how he compared it to the closing track on the white album, which is good night. He compared wake up time <laughs> to that because it was a contemplative softer song that included a spoken word. And, and I was like, that's bizarre. I've never thought of that. Now, don't get me wrong. Good night's not a great song. It's fine for what it is. This is a great song. It, it is, is a well-written wonderful. song and it is an emotional song. Tom Petty is really singing to himself yeah. and it gives it this rawness. But what really gives it the rawness, despite the fact that he's got Ben Mon over here, Rick Rubin's like, you play the piano. Yeah. And so it's just very straightforward John Lennon style piano. Absolutely. Chords. He, he's playing, he's, he's a guitar player that's playing piano and that's very, it's very clear. And I believe that he wrote this song on, on piano. Is that, is oh, that true? No, he wrote it on guitar oh, okay. and he was trying to do it and it, it wasn't, it kind of wasn't working. And Rick Rubin said, well, why don't you play piano on this? Because I don't play the piano. No, just, and, and so you get with this real simple, it ends up being him on the piano cording, Mike's yeah. on bass. Steve Ferroni is doing a little bit of drum work and then they add these orchestrations to it and it gets down to the chorus and he says he has no why, no idea why he just started speaking the words. It's wake up time, time to open up your eyes and rise and shine. It's, it's really, really cool. I have the playlist open of our songs and uh, this might be the biggest sleeper of, of the whole list so far. Just, you know, how great, of, how, how great a song it is. And, and just how little recognition I believe it would get when you compare it to a lot of other songs on that album. I, I yeah. think it's it's a gem. Absolute diamond in the rough there. There's a big disparity between the quality of the track and how well-known it is, or in this case, isn't. Mm -hmm. it, it, yes. may, it may be the biggest divergence there. That's Wake Up Time from The Great Wildflowers. Nice. 1994. That was a great oh. pick. All, All right, right thank you. Song, song four, Joel. Last one. All right. I'm going to select another single, and we can argue about <laughs> whether or not this is a deep cut. I have some deep cuts for sure on my honorable mentions, but this is just one of my personal favorites, so we're going to talk about it. Dang it. We're going to play the opening track to 1999's Echo. We're going to listen to Room at the Top. I got a room at the top of the world tonight. I can see everything tonight. This song is emotional, man. Yeah, it is. I got a room where everyone can have a drink and forget those things that went wrong in their life. I got a room at the top of the world tonight I got a room at the top of the world tonight I got a room at the top of the world tonight And I ain't coming Down. 
top of the world So that was that was my fourth and final selection, and so I great. absolutely love it. A lot so of memories great. of of listening to that being played on acoustic guitars as a kid. It's a very emotional song, especially uh, now yeah. that I think especially now that he's died. But I was noticing that I seem to pick a lot of songs that have to do with escapism <laughs> in my list. Which I, I don't have a particular reason for that, other than I don't know. I guess that's a universal emotion that everybody feels from time to time. Sure. Yeah, music has always been the way I go about doing that. And so even when the song's not about that, that's still what I use music for a lot of times. And so when the song is about that, I guess it's kind of meta. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so when they were on Storytellers, you know, VH1 used to have this show called Storytellers and the artists would come on and they would tell the story behind the song and then play the song. And I believe that was where this happened. And Tom steps up to the microphone and said, this is a song about escapism. It's called escapism. (laughs) 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 And it played room at the top. Uh, That's a, that's a great one. And of course, what makes that song is something that was not originally intended to be a part of it. And that's when you've got this beautiful 
harmony, the soft backing and the sounds and everything. And then all of a sudden Mike comes in with those crunchy guitar chords. Yeah. It, it, it's it makes such it. a good song. And, and really <clears throat> by the time echo comes around and I think echo is one of my favorite albums. I, I think it is tremendous. It, it's so good. And for years he wouldn't listen to it. Because although people tried to say that Wildflowers was his divorce album, really, this is his divorce album. And of course, later Very we found out- Very dark time in his life. Yeah. And, and later we find out many, many years later that he actually had a heroin problem during this time. And of course, Howie Epstein is slowly killing himself with drugs and, and doesn't even show up for the photograph cover for the band, which is why he's not on it. But the music is so strong, even though so much of it is just- very, very dark and about things like, like this. And he's escaping Joel. It's better to escape with music than the things that they were escaping with. Yeah, there you go. So maybe that's why they're writing songs about it. Yeah. Maybe that was a cautionary tale, but, but to me, the album, all there's always that glimmer of hope, even at the dark times with Petty. And that's, that's what I always heard in it was the hope behind the dark. And so for years, he wouldn't even listen to it. And when, when he remarried years later, his wife was like, why don't you ever play that album? It's a good album. And he like revisited it and then finally grew to accept it as, as a strong piece. But people don't really know Echo and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It, this was, I, I believe that was it the first single off of Echo? I'm almost no free girl now was first. Okay. LOL is it is. It was a single. So, but not not obviously not, not well known this song. So I didn't feel terrible about picking it. No. And when I ask your mother about what I should select for this, this is the one she picked because this is her favorite. Oh, really? So, (laughs) So she'll be, she'll be glad for you to get that one in there. Yeah. I picked, I picked four pretty laid back Tom Petty songs for this. I approve. I do too. All right, Jacob, what's next? I wanted to try to get something from the 21st century. And so I kind of switched some things around on my list. I had, especially as we got into recording, I kind of switched some songs around from my honorable mentions onto my main list. I'm going to end with, Joel mentioned earlier, uh, Tom Petty, uh, his ability you know, to write these beautiful love songs. Well, I'm going to get a song from The Last DJ, 2002, uh, a song called Like a Diamond. Ooh, that is a deep cut.
This is this is a good good song. She goes on forever. Like I said, it's a beautiful song. She goes on forever like a diamond in the sunlight. The song is clearly based all around that and just opening with some beautiful synthy strings and really soulful guitar solo in the middle of that. It's it's the, really the good. The lyrics and the yeah. song are so good. Yeah. He wraps up the first verse with all good things, you know, all must end, all must end, but she goes on forever. And it's mm-hmm. like, I just, the first verse is my favorite verse of the song. Cause mm-hmm. it's just Mine gorgeous. Too. You know, the last DJ is in most rankings considered to be their worst album. It's very, it's their protest album. It is. And that could have something to do with it. It's interesting though, because you know, I've, I've always heard that. And I know that the album 
was, I mean, like on all music, it's got one and a half stars. And Robert Criscow gave it a C plus and <laughs> Rolling Stone only three stars. But other places, uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it an A minus and the Los Angeles Times gave it three out of four stars. Pop Matters gives it nine out of ten. Very divided reviews it's I noticed on very, that. Yeah. Very divided review. And the fact of the matter is, with the with the exception of of Joe, which is the other song that I just hate. <laughs> My name's Joe. I'm the CEO. Yeah, that's what I call music. I just, <laughs> I just don't, do not like that song. There are a lot of really good songs on this album, and I would wager most people have not heard any of them. No, I think so too. And while we're talking about album closers... Can't Stop the Sun is Can't the Stop album the closer. Sun. Yeah. yeah, that's a very strong ending to that album. And that's an honor. I want to go ahead and just skip over. But it, that's an honorable mention for me is Can't Stop the Sun. Yeah. It's, it's a rocking, very um, Beatlesque in my in Yeah, my oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. That'd be a good pick too. But your pick of Like a Diamond, that that's perfect. If y'all didn't know that one, I, I just know you liked it. That's, a, that's just a very infectious lovely song uh great stuff from top petty yeah awesome pick okay my last selection i i'm really it's a conundrum i mean i thought about picking something much more current uh something off of hypnotic eye there's some great songs on Hypnotic. there are eye. some great ones i never really gave mojo much of a chance but every time i'm listening to tom petty radio and a song comes on I'm like i don't know this nine times out of ten it's mojo. from mojo and i like it it's a really fun album. Yeah, I don't and know I, a single song from either of those two albums. Yeah, uh, you you probably do. If yeah, I mean you've probably heard. Um, I should have known it from Mojo. I bet they're they're definitely worth checking out. I mean, and Hip, Hypnotic Eye is really his last album. It, it's, it's it's a, a re- worthy, it's a return a it return to rock and roll form. Yeah. So I kind of thought about doing that, and I kind of thought about. You know, we have not spoken about songs and music from She's the One. That is basically the leftovers from Wildflowers that they released as um, a soundtrack for a movie that very few people saw. A very forgettable movie. Yeah, I watched (laughs) it, you know, uh, but Jennifer Aniston was in it and John Mahoney from uh, Frasier was, was in it. But I think Ed Burns is the guy. Uh, that that made that movie, but Tom Petty did the music for it. And you're probably familiar with a song like Walls, which is awesome. Uh, Walls Circus, uh, Tom Petty and Lindsey Buckingham, great. And so there were a couple on that album that I'm I'm very fond of that would be considered deep cuts. Grew Up Fast, I love. Grew Up Fast is a great song, and so is Climb That Hill. Yep. The uh, the cover Change the Locks. Any of those would have been would have been good. But I'm I'm struggling with with trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Even though Jacob took us to the last DJ, I, I think I'm going to stay there because I kind of have this theory. Though uh, Highway Companion is awesome, and there are great great songs. It is a Tom Petty solo album. After that, you get Mojo and you get Hypnotic Eye. But as far as embodying the classic Heartbreakers sound, I think this particular song which did get some minor radio play, embodies their sound and was the last great song that they did. And it's called Have Love, Will Travel. Ooh, interesting.
song so what i mean when i say it's the last great song they did is it it embodies everything about tom petty and the heartbreakers that made them great you're talking about a a well-written song you're talking about the big drum sound that's old school even though they have a new drummer it sounds like an old heartbreakers record and 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 i remember when they first put the video out for it the camera kind of pulls back when it the first time when it goes da 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 and Tom Petty just kind of runs his hands. I mean, he's 50 years old at this time and he just kind of runs his hands up the fretboard of the guitar and the way he moves, if you squinted, he looked 20 again. I mean, it just, there's something about the construction of the song that threw me back 
to old heartbreakers when I heard it. But the other thing is, it's the kind of song that only Tom Petty writes that has this insecurity to it, but ultimately comes down to what he is all about, whether it's escapism, like Joel was talking about, or, or any kind of insecurity or struggles. The, the bottom line is there's always a, a, a love message behind it. He's, he's always got this big heart. And, you know, you never had a chance, did you, babe? So good looking, so insecure. And now you say you can't remember when the lines you drew began to blur. Ah, but when all this is over, should I lose you in the smoke? I want you to know you were the one and may my love travel with you everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah, it really shows off his uh, his skill as a songwriter. It, it's song. just, I agree with your assessment that this song has all those classic elements. And it gets down to the end, and they they played this in concert, you know, while they were touring for this album, and again later they played it on Conan, they played it on the Tonight Show. You can look those up; it's great. The band is a six piece at this point. Uh, Scott Thurston has joined. Steve Ferroni's there, and it's it's the ultimate. By that I mean the final Heartbreakers lineup, and they are just so professional and so good. But the real kick on this song comes at the end. And this sort of sums up what Joel was talking about earlier with music and brings it all together, which is why I thought it was a good one to end on. The last verse is how about a cheer for all those bad girls? Now that immediately, every time he plays it in concert brings a scream. Of course. I mean, every time. (laughs) So he says, how about a cheer for all those bad girls and all the boys that play that rock and roll? They love it like you love Jesus. It does the same thing to their soul. And that is the the lyric that describes music to people like us and those of you who are listening. It is an important, soul-deep experience, and Tom Petty expresses it exactly perfectly, both musically and lyrically here with Have Love, Will Travel. Wow, wow that's nice. That's really, that's, that's really nice. Josh always has a propensity to tie up episodes, which might have gone a little crazy in the middle. He has this thing where he ties it up at the end, just like he did the last episode. Very well done. What a bookend. What a bookend. I try try to get, you know, something strong to end on. You know, we we can do goofs, and we obviously do, and that's part of the fun. But, you know, there's a reason why we're devoting so much time to talking about and listening to music and sharing it with people. I mean, that's what the, that's what y'all's podcast is all about. That's what it's all about. It's so important to us and uh, it means so much in our lives. And, and, and again, with this artist, every song virtually has some direct memory to it. And so much so that after Tom died, I, I spent, and some people went longer than this. I think Caleb still has occasional trouble listening to him, but it was a good two or three months before I could listen to any Tom Petty. And when I finally did, I pulled out Echo and played it, and I swear to you, it was the saddest thing I'd ever heard in my life. It was so That's interesting, you know, because earlier in the episode, you said that, um, I think you said that Tom Petty was, it was the biggest loss for you among people that you didn't personally know. Yeah. And I think I could probably say that, you know, as a musician, uh, as far as the music I love, that was hard. Never met Tom Petty, of course. Saw him once in concert. 
so that was big for me. Actually, what I did was probably listen to nothing but Tom Petty for for several weeks. That was it kind was, of my reaction yeah. to it myself. And that's normally what I would do. Yeah, I mean but, that's normally my reaction, but I couldn't. But so, your your connection, your your the the life connection that you have to Tom Petty is much different than mine. It, it's just too close. Um, yeah. I sat down that night and I wrote a very lengthy article. I posted every year on the anniversary of his death. If you're interested in looking at that, it's on my website. But the it's the a point, well done article too. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, it was it's really me laying more bare than I would prefer to do. But but the ultimate thing behind it was when we talk about these things that he writes about and his experiences and how raw they can be and everything. No, we didn't personally know Tom Petty, but we knew Tom Petty. Because he put Absolutely. it out there. And it's, it's that he didn't know us, but he let us know him. I can't be more thankful for an artist who did that. And, and the world is a, a less of a good place without him in it. Agreed. Honorable mentions, Joel. Yeah, it's, it's almost hard to keep going after that. But, yeah, for real. <laughs> but I, I do have let's, a few. Let's just throw some out there. I have a few that I think are, are worth mentioning. And, and you <laughs> mentioned this earlier, but one of my personal favorites by them and this is actually a cover i believe but it's from she's the one and it's changed the locks i think yeah, that yeah. Song absolutely rocks uh, uh, another, that's lucinda williams isn't it i think that's correct yes it yeah. is uh, another few that i i really enjoy and i think these need to be mentioned night watchman needs to be mentioned on my list that yeah. was an honorable mention for me too yeah. okay I, yeah. I figured it would Definitely be on your list. that one up guys and I'll do. I'll just give two more. One of my personal favorites. I don't think it's not like a great song or anything, but a song that's close to to my heart, that's personal, that I've I love is Billy the Kid. Also on to, my list. <laughs> Mine we, too. Because we played it. You know, that's an acoustic guitar favorite to play. That is another and one then, that we played a lot. Okay, wait a minute. I have to tell it. So okay. one night. Oh, so, no. so, so every night. <laughs> When the kids were little, when Joel and Pokey were, were small, every night when they go to bed, I would play guitar and, and sing, you know, three or four songs. And he's mentioned that before. But Billy the Kid was one that I liked to play. And, you know, if you take a listen to it, the chorus is, yeah, I went down hard like Billy the Kid. Oh, yeah, but I got up again. It's another overcoming type song, you know. So I play it. And little little Joel, he he's, you know, probably five years old or something. He looks up to me and says, Daddy, who is this Billy the Kid? And what does it mean he went down hard? <laughs> I I used to always ask dad to explain the stories and songs because a lot of the songs he would play would be songs that did tell a story because we played a lot of the Texas country and that sort of thing. And they oftentimes there is a story to them. And so I just thought every song had a, you know, a big story. So I wanted, what is this going down hard? I don't know. <laughs> uh, he enjoyed that one. So that one's, that one's special to me for a lot of reasons, but it's yeah, also agreed. just an awesome song. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so I got that one. And then another personal favorite that we like to play on acoustic guitar is hometown blues. There you go. First album. So yeah. I got, I got some, some OG Tom Petty in here. Good, good, good. Uh, th those are my, those are my honorable mentions. Sorry if I took all of y'all's. No, no. We, I love it when we've all got the same ones. Uh, Jacob. Well, let's see from, she's the one I like zero from outer space. That's a fun one. <laughs> yep. And then fast forward to Mojo their jam album from 2010. The opening track, Jefferson Jericho Blues. Yeah. Poor, poor Tom Jefferson. He loved that little maid out back. What else do I have on here? Forgotten Man from Hypnotic Eye. That's a good song. That's the only Petty album that I actually, I can say, I bought it on when it came out at Hastings. Rip. And so that's a fun one. Nice picks. 
uh, from Damn the Torpedoes, another outtake that we didn't get until later called, um, as Tom Petty pronounces it, Casadega. Yes, Casadega. That's an interesting one, too. So I didn't mention, and I should have when we we're talking about the Nobody's Children, and it was a minor hit because it was released with the box set, but there was a song called Waiting for Tonight that uh, Tom Petty did That's with the Bangles. I love That's that. a good song. Look up that. From Hard Promises, another of my favorite of his albums, along with Night Watchman, the song Something Big. Speedball rang the night clerk, send me up a drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Also from Long After Dark, the opening track, One Story Town. I, I, I feel like I should have included that. That is a really good song. It's a neat song. He uses a play on words. It's about a, a town that is small. So there's no building is taller than one story, but it's also got nothing going on. So it's one story. So that's, that's a really cool song. And I think we talked about all, just about all of my others. Uh, the last one I'll mention is another closing track. Take some time and don't do it when you're, when you're too sad, but listen to the last track on echo called one more day, one more night. It's great. It's it's really really good. So I would I would finish with with probably that one. I hope we we did his catalog justice with this one. We've had a lot of really really great songs and a lot of really really nice uh, emotional songs that I think he would appreciate us talking about. I I certainly well, hope so. Just, and all I all I can say is thank you, Tom. Yeah, agreed. Well, absolutely. I think that. Um, we have maybe done our done our part to show that Tom Petty is more than just the rock and roller from the late 70s with all those hits. There was so much more to his career and so much that we that we get to enjoy that he gave us. So thanks to Joel for joining us once again. It was great fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Jacob, for setting everything up. Uh, we are so delighted to be able to share our love for Tom Petty with you. Uh, but until our next episode, it's time to move on. It's time to get going. Jacob. I'm Joel. And this is somebody, somebody else's, else's favorite, favorite songs. songs.
This has been episode 13, Deep Tom Petty. Thanks to Joel for joining us, and thanks to you, our listening audience. Be sure and go to our website, sefs.show, that's S-E-F-S dot show, and check out our merchandise, which is now available on the Merchandise tab. You can also see playlists from our episodes, and be sure to check us out on Facebook at Somebody Else's Favorite Songs. And finally, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a subscribe and a rating, and tell your friends about Somebody Else's Favorite Songs. Well, um, I, I enjoy getting to be on the podcast and not having to do any work. I, I seem to like a lot of songs that are about escapism. <laughs> I don't really have a reason for that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I need to, but I guess music is a better way to escape than, you know, crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my favorite last DJ memory is? What? You listening to the last DJ and turning the volume down when he said whore. <laughs> you can't <laughs> turn him into, into a, a whore. company, man. You can't turn him. <laughs> I, didn't need, I didn't need my four-year-old and my six-year-old saying whore. You can't turn him into a whore. And then when you would play it on guitar, you would say you can't turn him in anymore. <laughs> anymore.